Hello and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we are going to be grappling with just one of the most difficult, pressing issues, stressors, if you will, that we are facing as a nation, and I would say, honestly, as a globe, meaning a subject that we have looked at a number of times uh, very recently, we spent an entire show discussing uh, the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, only on May 13th with uh, Global Trade Watch uh, member, Representative Adam Weissman, who will be joining us a little later in the program, along with Michael Gendron, uh, the uh, Communications Workers of America to discuss the latest in what is going on in Congress with this uh, bill and with Fast Track, which for those of you who missed that show or a number of prior ones on this terribly important subject, uh, I'm going to update you here in the next few minutes. I just first want to step back and just take a look at our utterly, completely beautiful planet, a planet that we have such a deep affection for that simply by viewing uh, nature, by looking at flowers, at trees, at roses, at mountaintops, at oceans, at lakes, internally we access a level of peace, serenity, awe, humility in the face of beauty, as James Joyce called it, aesthetic arrest. It is intrinsic to human nature to respond to, respond to uh, knee-buckling beauty. And it's just imprinted in our DNA to enjoy life, to enjoy beauty, to enjoy love, affection, humor, play, adventure. These are our, I would dare say, our fundamental human characteristics. And as time goes on, we develop other characteristics as well, such as patience, sometimes tolerance, and uh, integrity, out of which we build sense of character. And this character carries us through our lives at some of the most critical junctures. We have this inner life, this inner self to rely upon when it looks like all else around us is failing us, is seeking perhaps to even compromise us. There is a soul-level intelligence, if you will, a heart-level knowing of who we are and who we can be, which I would dare say is a similar kind of phenomenon. It's this intrinsic, sometimes transient, sometimes intransigent part of us, nature of us, core of us, that needs to rise to occasions to deal with sometimes the fierce battles we encounter in life. 
one of the incredibly fierce battles we are now being called upon to deal with happens to be a political issue and economic that is facing us in our body politic. And there is tremendous polarity on the subject and every bit as much propaganda on the subject, so it's hard to get straight talk on something that is so vitally important to our interests and our interests not opposed to others' interests as a collective interest of human beings, perhaps distinct from moneyed interests as in corporate interests, which are not people, despite what the Supreme Court may have to say about it in Citizens v. United. They are not people. They do not complain as such. They do not whine and whimper the way humans get. Nor do they have sex, nor do they laugh, nor do they love. They are not human beings, and it takes a strange stretch of the imagination, and not a very inspired one, to think of a corporation as a human, as a person. But that's really a conversation for another time. Right now, we have to deal with this thing, this phenomenon referred to as the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which, if you do not know about it, if you haven't heard prior shows here, if you haven't listened to other alternative media sources, either online radio or uh, the written word, or TV for that matter, then it is high time you get educated. Although, I am going to refer you to the prior show that took place only a few weeks ago, literally two, May 13th, here on A Better World. Go to abetterworld.tv, into Radio Archive, Blog Talk Radio, and easily you will access the show. You can also put in the name. Adam Weissman, W-E-I-S-S-M-A-N, into the search engine, and or TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership, into the search engine and radio archive or newsletter, and you will get an array of data, of information that will bring you up to speed. So for the moment, I'm going to give you a survey with some of the key kernel points that make it clear why I am dedicating yet another show to this critically important subject. And it's critically important for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, it threatens the very tenets of our Constitution, Bill of Rights, and the very existence an essence of our judiciary system, our judicial system, up to and including the Supreme Court. Well, what in the world, you could be asking yourself, am I talking about? Has Mitchell lost his mind again? I say, no, I wish that were the explanation, folks. That would be easy. No, 
It's not that. If anything, I've regained my mind, although so many forces are pressing us all to lose our collective one. What this means is that there is a treaty that, as far as I understand, has been in negotiation and discussion for the last 10 to 12 years and is said to be like NAFTA on steroids. That's the uh, the acronym, if you will, for TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership. There are approximately 12 to 14 primarily Asian countries, but including Chile and another one or two uh, South American countries that are party to this, Japan, I believe South Korea, and others. And they will be making, looking to make, with the United States, what I can best call an unholy, sacrilegious alliance, which would which would uh, put into place what is best referred to as a corporate judiciary body, a judicial body composed primarily of corporate attorneys who are selected by the member states, uh, member nations of the TPP to represent, represent its interest, the treaty's interest above and beyond, this is the key phrase, above and beyond any respective interest of the nation states. In other words, an international corporate judiciary, in effect, tribunal, would have sovereign jurisdiction over every respective nation state's own judicial system. No matter how hard won democracy may have been in the respective countries, like Chile. And, well, every country has its own story about the establishment of a democratic judicial system. Yes, including the United States, which may be one of the oldest, if not the very oldest, but it was hard won. Remember the Revolutionary War? Remember the battle with the British? Remember even the Civil War? All of these were challenges to democracy and the Republic and our judiciary as we know it. Faulty as it is to this day, with holes all over the place as it is today, that would be for another show to talk about how we need to mend the almost bought and paid for judicial system that we currently have. Elitist, racist, uh, corporatized, other conversation. However... Ill it may be, it is still ours, and we still have some semblance of voice, even with all of the legislation that has been passed, that has sought to diminish, deteriorate, and not 
even also say to destroy our Constitution and Bill of Rights. They are, if in shadow, still there and can still be evoked and invoked for rational and legitimate legal discussion, conversation, and negotiation and protection, by the way. So even though it is sad, in a saddened state, it is still there and it is still ours. Enter TPP and that goes away. That is, in respect to the TPP's own Judiciary Board of Selected Attorneys that could jurisdict the Clean Water Act is no longer applicable. The Clean Water Act, no longer applicable. The EPA regulations, OSHA, any protective legislation passed over many decades, if not longer, that protects the interests of the American people would essentially be neutralized and subordinate to, legally and technically subordinate to, this said judiciary. Selected, not elected, selected corporate body that would be doing the bidding of the corporations that are in effect at the very top of the pyramid of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Now, what country's president in his or her right mind would even consider this to be anything but a complete menace and an attempt to deceive and betray the values of democracy the values of freedom, liberty, and justice for all. It couldn't really be reasonably seen as anything but a complete betrayal. In effect, a treasonous endorsement of a treaty that has inside it the seeds of such destruction. It sounds like I'm overstating. And I wish to be shown to be overstating. And anyone who can show me that it is overstating, please step up. Please call 602-753-1860 pronto, immediately, and show me where I have misunderstood the material. 602-753-1860. As I've done some study of the subject, as I've listened to numerous shows of my own, of those on Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, Juan Gonzalez et al., of Gary Knowles, I have heard Louis Wallach, I have heard Adam Weissman, I have heard numerous others on my shows in roundtables and elsewhere discuss this matter in detail. And I do not think that I am wrong by an iota. And if I am wrong by one or two iotas, or is it IOD, 
they are minor in nature, in essence. Everything I have said is so. And therefore, as a nation, as a people, as a humanity, all of the above, we should sit up, pay close attention, and be alarmed as the natural, instinctive, and rational reaction to what our president is cheerleading like there's nothing better than sliced bread. In short, GMOs, anyone? Genetically modified organisms promulgated, of course, by the great uh, multinationals such as Monsanto and their friends, uh, DuPont and others, uh, would have sway over everything we're doing. Everything we're doing to stop GMO production in the most important first place, but even something as simple as labeling. Kiss it goodbye, folks, because we would no longer have jurisdiction in our courts of law. We lose. And you say, how could our congressional body even be thinking about these things? As I've said before, there is a magical word in the English language that has been bought and paid for, has been co-opted by our political body. Are you ready for that word? Okay, sit tight, get ready before your eyes glaze over. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable how rational people start to go hazy and fuzzy in the brain when I say this one simple word. Jobs. Jobs. And I don't mean Steve Jobs. I wish it were that. That would be okay. It's a pretty brilliant man. Jobs, folks. It means jobs. It doesn't mean jobs. And even if it meant jobs, it's nothing of value to us to sacrifice our own country for the sake of jobs of this sort. If you were told that the only jobs available were in a nuclear power plant or in the military-industrial complex, would you consider that a job worth having? Not to mention knowing that you could probably be replaced by a robot or automation within anywhere from 16 to 18 months. <laughs> Even that aside, if you were told that this was it, folks, these are the jobs we have available, you will have to sacrifice your entire democratic way of life all of your safeties and protections, your ability to elect officials whose decisions would be jurisdicting, but you have every right in the world, in fact, are, in, are encouraged to weigh in on their decisions, all of that, poof, gone, sayonara, over. That's what we are talking about with the TPP. This is a political manipulative move. It's not about jobs here of any value. Look at it this way. Chinese companies could come to the United States, set up shop according to their environmental values, acts, ethos, 
mores and labor levels and set up shop. And they can begin to manufacture whatever it is they're going to. And if the uh, TPP judiciary body says it's okay, even though it's in contradistinction to U.S. law, they can still go about their business, polluting the air, polluting the air, uh, the water, the air, the soil, pay low wages. They could do whatever they want right here in the U.S. of A. And if they do not make the revenue projections they expected to make uh, by their number crunchers, they can then sue the United States government slash treasury for what they would consider and deem as lost revenues, which may be millions of dollars, tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions, tens of billions. You got the message. And because the United States judiciary does not jurisdict on this subject any longer, but the corporate judiciary does, the taxpayer in the United States would have to pay, if it is so decided, what is deemed as the lost revenues to said company. And what if that was five companies? What if that were ten? What if it were a hundred? What if it were a thousand? I mean, it is not to be believed. This means the end of society as we know it. That means one slave society. A corporatocracy beyond anything. Now at least we have some small measure of voice in the whole picture. But in that case, with the passage of the TPP, we have nothing. And with the status of a treaty, it's virtually impossible to turn around. There would need to be massive revolution, massive, worldwide, to actually change the setup. Is that what we want? No. No, 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 no. We don't want any such thing at all. We have the ability to create a better world. Last week, we had on a conference, a roundtable, about building the new world, which is a conference taking place at Radford University this coming weekend, May 28th through 31st, based on Barbara Marks Hubbard's Wheel of Co-Creation. Barbara Marks Hubbard ran for vice president with, I don't know who the presidential candidate was. This is many decades ago at this point. But the point being that there are uh, communities, conferences, all over the world of people doing ex exalted, exotic, magnificent things to create a better world. There is a huge move, and there is a tiny, tiny fraction of people who are seeking to push through this utterly ridiculous, uh, uh, fast-tracked Trans-Pacific Partnership. And we must stop. I spent part of the afternoon writing rather detailed letters 
to such people as Representative Carolyn Maloney. So let me say about Fast Track, a word about Fast Track. Do you know what it is? You don't. Ah, ooh, I hear. Some of you do, some do not. Okay. It's essentially something that should not ever be considered in the Congress because it has as its premise the surrendering of the right to negotiate, modify, alter, or revise a piece of legislation that a congressperson in House or Senate will be signing their name to. Now, correct me again if I'm wrong. Didn't we vote into office a series of elected officials to do our bidding, which is to modify, revise, alter, or reject any piece of legislation which was not in the interest of us, we, the people? But of course, but of course, that's right. So, how could then our elected representatives agree to subordinate and surrender, that is, that authority? It's in direct contradistinction to what it is they've been elected to do. So they're basically giving up the solemn vow of their oath of office to protect the Constitution and we, the people, represented by Constitution and the Bill of Rights. You got it? This is a syllogism. It's very, very simple. But indeed, it just passed the House. I'm sorry, the Senate. Fast Track was rejected one week and passed the next. Do you remember back in September 2008, the first round, this is the way it works. This is one of the ways the system works. At first Congress does the bidding of the people. So at the time when the subject is hottest and getting the most media, corporate media, and everything else. Yeah, we're here for the people. So in September of 2008, if for those of you who may recall, when the uh, uh, you know Lehman Brothers and all started to go bust, um, and Hank Paulson did what he could to revive, the first vote in Congress was no bailout. Take a hike, bub. So it looked like they were all doing the will of the people. I mean, everybody was out on the street. Everybody was writing, calling. I mean, there was complete bedlam in Washington because of the public outcry that nobody wanted to uh, bail out what we know as crooks. That's all. It's just it's that it's really that simple. It's provable criminal activity that took place, despite the fact that nobody or few went to very few, if any, that is, went to jail. Still, proving criminal behavior, which continues to this very day. The film that won Academy Award for Best Documentary, Inside Job, showed that it could be used in court as evidence, and it could also be used in court that our judicial system completely failed the American people. Another conversation. But, coming back around, a week later, when things quieted down a wee little bit, and the highlight, the light was not quite on the subject in the same way, that very same Congress who rejected a bailout, bailout 
voted one in. That's what's going on right now with the fast track. Two weeks ago, it was voted down, and everybody was just boasting. Ah, see, Democrats oppose their own democratically elected president and Democrat in the office. And see how strong and mighty and bold we are. Well, guess what? It has now passed the Senate a mere two weeks later and now sits in the House for passage or not passage as well, depending on us and how we speak out. So that tells the story of that. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We speak about everything here. We are seeking to bring a lively education that is very humanly based, that is love-based, that is compassion-based to the world, and we tread on virtually all subjects. We do not shy away from them. We love to focus on health and wellness and well-being and how to lead a life full of integrity and joy and humor and happiness and meaning and significance and serenity while involved with the deep, important matters of running our society, of creating a sustainable, environmentally friendly, uh, one that upholds the rights of all and the obligations of all to create a better, bold, refreshing, playful, cooperative world. That's what we're looking for. A just, spiritually alive, meaningful world. Biologically respecting all life psychologically as well. Do you get it? It's holistic. And we're here every week to speak about these subjects and support the sung and the unsung heroes who are out working assiduously to bring this about. We have a newsletter, a better world TV, a free newsletter you can get. Spread this to your friends, send the links, Facebook it, tweet it, etc. It and uh, spread the word. It happens that because this particular piece of political legislation is so menacing to our own sensibility as reasonable beings, we have to emphasize its defeat and the role we play in such defeat. And it's like nothing we can sit on our hands about. In fact, at this moment, I'd really like to uh, bring up the important notion that I have been speaking about for years and recommending that we uh, design our day to include one hour, oh, at least half an hour. But if you can get up to an hour to uh, play the role of citizen and write to your congresspeople, study what's going on in government, both local 
city if you are in a municipality, village, county, state, and federal. We are micro-macro beings at all times. We are sitting at our kitchen table and, uh, you know, doing the things of planting little flowers in on our windowsill and we are visiting with our family and friends and our clients and our children and we must play a role in weighing in on every single matter or many matters that face our wonderful nation and gorgeous world to protect our environment, to protect Gaia Mother Nature, and let nature and Gaia do their thing in the larger cosmic spheres. We have to realize we have a we have a horizontal life and we have a vertical one. We have a local terrestrial life and we have a much larger geological, if you will, and magnetic and geocosmic life. We have a galactic life. It sounds so funny. But if you ask any astronomer, they'll tell you that in a second. They live with their heads in the stars more than they do living on Earth. So this is not magical thinking. This is not bizarre. It's only bizarre if one is living in a little bit of a cave. We are human beings with a posture that's vertical that needs to press our head against the sky and our feet against the earth and represent everything in between, just as the ancient wisdom traditions east and west have been telling us all along. This is the relationship between spirit ethics, which is part of spirit and spirituality, as is virtue, and this thing called the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which is looking to dwarf us all on every level. So uh, it looks like I have not been uh, contacted yet by uh, our uh, associates, so I'm going to read first the letter that I wrote to Representative Carolyn Maloney, who represents this area of Manhattan in which a better world is housed. Dear Representative Maloney, this is to give you some idea of how to speak judiciously, respectfully, yet firmly to your legislators. Senatorial, (laughs) that sounds like a wonderful Romanesque kind of word, and uh, legislative and congressional. I have appreciated much that you have done and voted on over the years. I host a weekly radio and TV program called The Better World and would like to have you on as a guest. Meanwhile, I want to urge you to vote no, uppercase, to fast track, which is in effect an abdication of the authority vested in our representatives, i.e. you, by disallowing proper legitimate discussion, negotiation over any bill, no matter what it is. The entire purpose of being a representative, as you know, in the House or Senate, is to represent and make sure legislation is fine-tuned for the good of the constituents. Fast track, as you well know, simply aborts that solemn obligation. I don't even know how it could be considered a viable option. 
and worthy of Congress's time and attention. Second, TPP, please vote uppercase no. Its secrecy should be the first indication of something terribly wrong. Upon examination, what's wrong becomes apparent. This farce about jobs is scary. It is a foil for the literal destruction of our political sovereignty. And anyone who looks over some of the text recognizes that the United States judiciary would be subordinate to an international judiciary board. It is so outrageous that this would be taken seriously. It is so not in favor of any sovereign nation. I ask you to please hold firm against us. We want more jobs, yes, but are not desperate for them. There is the development of a green economy that would be much more useful and productive than TPP ever would be, which is a death knell for democracy and our economy. Thank you so much for your attention to these very important matters. I wrote a similar bill, similar letter, I mean, to uh, Governor Cuomo touching upon this, but that one was emphasizing rent stabilization strengthening here in New York City and state, again, for we the people, because the uh, it's the, you know, um, Humphrey Bogart, to have and to have not. It's, it's an old, old archetypal theme that has gone through the public domain for probably thousands of years, certainly many, many, many hundreds, at least a thousand or two, and probably ever since the beginning of agrarian culture, the division, the boundary setting between who owns what may have been the beginning. I'm not positive of that, but it sure sounds like there's a relationship between land boundary setting and the uh, formation of class societies. Anyway, this is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World, and I want to just encourage you all to get on the newsletter. It's free. It comes out only once a week, and uh, it's at abetterworld.tv. I also want to say that uh, there is coming up in Radford, Virginia, at Radford University, this coming weekend, the new... The Building the New World uh, conference, which sounds utterly fantastic. Uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, um, Charles Eisenstein, both of whom have been guests on A Better World, uh, Barbara a number of times, along with at one time Dennis Kucinich, a presidential candidate, Rocky Anderson, presidential candidate, Ralph Nader, uh, some greats, great heroes of American democracy and virtue, I may say, uh, and a number of other outstanding speakers, sung again and unsung heroes, that will be at this conference. And it's very community building, laying out a plan of action 
And just to say, people are doing this all over the world. You can go to a betterworld.tv for more information about that. As you probably know, there's the transition project, the transition towns uh, project, which is happening also in different parts of the world. There's the work described in Paul Hawkins' book, Blessed Unrest, about the literally millions of organizations, social enterprise, which is, you could say, capitalism for the people, NGOs, nonprofits that are just doing the work of the community. It's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with making money, folks. No, it's quite glorious, actually. It's just, are we going to be obsessed? Are we going to become pathologized by so doing? Are we going to be on a mission of control and power and holding it all for ourselves? Or are we going to be kind, compassionate, cooperative, and generous? We can flex any monetary system as we so see and as we see fit. The system doesn't dictate how we behave unless we allow it to. The system is just an idea. It's just a concept. It's just a nominalization. It's human beings that are behind the veil, that are behind the mask, who are the real wizards. It's not a system. Unless we remain beholden to a system. And a system gains its own superiority over our own hearts and minds, then we lose. Now, if you want to trace this back to its origins, well, then take a look at psyche. Take a look at pre- and perinatal psychology. Take a look at early life, uh, prenatal or postnatal, emotional or physical trauma. Then you can begin to identify what I feel as a holistic psychotherapist, what are, I think, the primary causes of later behaviors that are utterly disruptive to the fabric of building a sustainable society. It's not so mysterious. Even our willingness to be subject to peer pressure is a function of our own pathology or lack thereof. And we can, and so many do, stand up to any number of societal forces and pressures to do what we feel internally is the right thing. There are morphogenetic fields that also encourage being uh, in the flow, if you will, of higher intelligence. There's something called our prefrontal cortex and our higher heart function populated by tens of thousands of neurons and neuroreceptor sites in our hearts, in our guts, that are prodding us toward kindness, toward brotherhood, towards connectedness, toward cooperation. The neurophysiology is there. It's embedded literally in our DNA. And our brain nervous system 
It's their baby to be used, not ignored, not to be following the path of perhaps least resistance by giving in to violence and reactivity and fear and anxiety uh, because that's what we have historically resorted to to lead the way, a world led by the amygdala? I don't think so. That's no way to conduct business. The uh, heads of state should be coming from a high enlightened state of being, which means accessing their higher selves and being, relatively speaking, trauma-free to have an observing body, a mind, to what may have been trauma. And there are ways we know today, psychologically, uh, technically, through our understanding of neuroscience, to free ourselves from the, um, the grasp of uh, trauma and the foolish things it can have us do or have us fear. There are ways through. The human nervous system is robust. The mind and psyche are great. Imagination is supreme. Free will is ever-present, and it can be done. It has been done, and it will continue to be done. We need to accept true physiology and understanding of it to see how we can break free from the shackles of the past or what we have perceived as the shackles of the past. I've done so many shows on this kind of thinking. Joseph Dispenza, for one, has been on several times. I would refer you to those shows in our radio archive. I've had on Rick Hansen, uh, Richard Davidson, Stan Tatkin, to name a few. Michael Cotton, who's developed higher brain living as another means of liberation, if you will, from the shackles of the reptilian brain. So it can be done, folks, and it is being done all the time. So become part of the solution. I am going to uh, turn to a little Mozart for a moment as I try to reach our other possible guests.
have good news. We have good news. Mozart is good news. I'll be calling in momentarily. In the meantime, I want to read to you uh, something I read recently and was very impressed with, although distinguishedly disturbed by, which is a study that took place at Princeton University. U.S. no longer an actual democracy. This is just the abbreviated version. New study from Princeton spells out bad news for American democracy, namely that it no longer exists. Asking who really rules, researchers Martin Gillens and Benjamin I. Page argue that over the past few decades, America's political system has slowly transformed from a democracy into an oligarchy where wealthy elites wield most power. Using data drawn from over 1,800 different policy initiatives from 1981 to 2002, the two conclude that rich, well-connected individuals on the political scene now steer the direction of the country, regardless of or even against the will of the majority of voters. The central point that emerges from our research, this is a quote, is that economic Elites and organized groups representing business interests have a substantial independent impacts on U.S. government policy, while mass-based interest groups and average citizens have little or no independent influence. As one illustration, Gillens and Page compare the political preferences of Americans at the 50th income percentile to preferences of Americans at the 90th percentile, uh, percentile, as well as major lobbying or business groups. They find that the government, whether Republican or Democrat, more often follows the preferences of the latter group rather than the former. The researchers note that this is not a new development caused by, say, recent Supreme Court decisions allowing more money into politics, i.e., uh, you know, uh, Citizens United, such as Citizens United, or this month's ruling on McCutcheon versus FEC. As the data stretching back to the 1980s suggests, this has been a long-term trend and is therefore harder for most people to perceive, let alone reverse. Quote, ordinary citizens, they write, might often be observed to win, that is, to get their preferred policy outcomes, even if they had no independent effect whatsoever on policymaking, if elites with whom they often agree actually prevail. I know that sounds disheartening, folks, and it is. It's only one study, and it bears out a significant amount of truth. However, it is not the final word, and the people's voice still has effect. And for that, I would steer you toward the work of Sam Daly Harris, 
who wrote the book Reclaiming Our Democracy. Sam has been on our airwaves at A Better World Radio before and makes a strong declarative case about how we Americans, we the people, affect outcomes, yes, folks, even in Washington. At this moment, I see that uh, Adam Weissman and Michael Gendron have called into the show. We'll speak with them briefly about what's going on. Interestingly, they are both on the ground in Suffolk County, just finishing somewhat of a rally regarding the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the uh, fast-track legislation that's now being uh, uh, considered in Washington. Hello, is this Michael and Adam? Yeah, it's Michael. A- Adam is uh, not here. He, um, uh, we just we got separated, and I don't know where he is right this moment. So uh, just, it's just okay. me, Michael Gentry. No problem. Michael, thanks for coming on to the show at such a of moment. Course. I won't keep you long. I, I'm sure you have your hands full at this moment. Just tell us a little bit, if you would, you are the executive vice president of the Communication Workers of America, and you are currently in what uh, context doing what? So uh, I'm uh, the uh, executive vice president, the political coordinator, and so today, um, you know, this is our third action that we've taken, um, you know, directed at Congressman Zeldin um, to get him to finally change his position from supporting a trade promotion authority and supporting trans, uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership to vote no on trade promotion authority, to vote no on the Trans-Pacific Partnership. So, we, you know, we've held our, our typical rallies, um, you know, uh, yeah. outside his office, outside of a uh, fundraiser. But today, this just changed things up. We held a mock funeral uh, procession to illustrate the fact that this is just another trade agreement that's going to kill American jobs. It's going to kill food safety regulations. It's going to kill the uh, environmental laws that protect our, you know, our air, our water, and especially this trade agreement that's going to kill our sovereignty due to the uh, investor-state dispute system. Can you describe a little bit about what that is? Sure. Uh, which which one? The mock funeral or the investor state dispute? First, the first the the loss of sovereignty and the the dispute issue. Sure. So, in the in the uh, text of the uh, trade agreement, there is uh, there is language that will grant um, foreign countries, foreign companies, to sue any level of government for any law or regulation that's in place that would impede upon their expected future profits. Um, you know, uh, laws such as, uh, you know, uh, uh, environmental laws by American. So, you know, government procurement contracts that are, are you know, required to buy American-made goods will be threatened by this, this uh, system. And so instead of these foreign companies or foreign countries taking our levels of government to federal court, it's not done there. It's done at an international tribunal. And the international tribunal is And not, who populates um, that tribunal? 
it is corporate lawyers, the very same corporate lawyers that wrote this trade agreement. That seems very partial. There's nothing very democratic or, or just about anything that you're saying. Absolutely, and, and there's nothing impartial about it. Right. That's, that's really what's so troubling, is that you have, you have entities, you know, you have these corporate lawyers, their, their main interest is to protect the, uh, uh, the interests of their corporate uh, clients. Yes, yes. So it sounds like uh, an agreement made in hell. Why in the world would the President of the United States be backing, cheerleading an agreement that would effectively neutralize, to put it nicely, in effect trash all of the hard-won legislation that has been passed, including, by the way, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, that our entire country and nation has been built upon. I don't, I honestly, I, I have been scratching my head. Um, I have really had a real difficult time trying to figure out why he's doing this. Um, and then the only thing I can come up with is it's, there must be some personal reason for his personal benefit um, to, you know, go forward with something as, as bad as this. And <laughs> I think, you know, like what's so troubling, another troubling aspect of this is that it's been done in secret. The full text, the full effect of this trade agreement will not be known until years after this, that it is policy. So you're saying substantial parts of the text will not be revealed even to those who are, have to vote on it for years to come? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Tell me a little bit more specifically before. about that. Well, the, the text has, it, it, first of all, it, it's subject to change. So the, uh, some of the text that they're being shown is rough draft, but they're not, our members of Congress are not being shown every last word of the text of this trade agreement. And like I said, it will not, it will be years. Do you know how many, para, I was going to say verses, do you know how many, uh, pages it is, and how many pages have been shown? My understanding is that this trade agreement is about a thousand pages long. Um, but uh, uh, how much has like been reading shown, Ulysses? I don't know. Yeah. What's that? Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I said it's like reading James Joyce's Ulysses, but oh, not nearly exactly as much right. fun. And so now, you know, again, in the short period, when the short period of time that they're being given to review it, you know, so. That's, first of all, it's not enough time to review it. Then you have the, 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 the issue of, so whatever questions they have, there's obviously not enough time to get every question answered, clarified. So even if they saw all of the text, they're not going to have enough time to get the, the questions they have answered and get the, the, what the text really means. Well, they let me add to that, blindly. Michael. Let me add to that, that Alan Grayson... Democrat from Florida, uh, has at this point a YouTube. He was on uh, Democracy Now!, and that's where I think I initially saw the video. I think, although it's made the rounds now in social media, thankfully. But 
he uh-huh. says that he was brought into the trade representative's office of the United States government, sat down at a table, could not bring one staff member, could not bring a pencil, could not bring a pen, could not bring any recording device, could not bring a piece of paper, was was presented with a few of the pages of it, and it, uh, basically a watch was, you know, a time limit was set during which he could, in effect, memorize as much of what was presented to him as he possibly could, and then he was essentially asked to leave. This is a United States congressman elected to office cannot see but, just as you're saying, a small, small portion of an entire trade agreement that he's not only being asked to uh, to, ex- to uh, vote on, but he's asked first to agree to a fast-track uh, policy, which means he cannot modify, revise, delete, or in any way change the text of said agreement. Mm-hmm. And Tell me is, what's democratic um, about that. What's democratic there is, about there is that process? But let, let, let just two other points about what you just said I want to add to. First of all, if he were to divulge any part of what he memorized, he does so under the threat of incarceration, of, of being arrested, charged. In other words, a it's a gag order. It's a gag order. Absolutely. Two, yeah. and this is something that, that gets overlooked far too often, this trade promotion so authority – is in effect until 2018. And so it, oh. it will allow this president and the next president to enter into a trade agreement, of which there are at least two that are known, the TTIP and the TSIS. And the Atlantic Trade Agreement. That's the TTIP. And so oh, that's between, the, the, between the TPP and the TTIP, those two trade agreements will encompass about 60 to 70% of the world economy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, in fact, Adam Weissman, who we have had on and we're hoping to get on uh, today with you as well, but find that he's not. Sorry, I'm glad you're here. Uh said that there are actually three being negotiated currently that would, yes, speak to that huge proportion of the world's economy. And it's not just economy. It's also political sovereignty. All of the respective nations who are party to the treaty, uh, just like the United States, would be missing out on their own judiciary's uh, sovereignty. Not just ours. Yeah. Hey, listen, this is uh, real scary stuff, and it's, uh, we just need to do our part to uh, stop uh, the House from uh, passing, and that, that's what we're So doing. what do you recommend people do? they got to call a member of Congress, and they got to tell them that if they vote yes, we're not, we're not going to forget next time election comes around. They've got to write letters. They've got to call their member of Congress. They've got to get their family or friends to call their member of Congress. They've got to hear from from the constituents. So right now, from, I, from Ruffles, 
I'm sorry? I said if they hear from enough of us, we'll, we'll put a scare right. on them. That's right. Now, it ha- the fast track has passed the Senate. At first it was rejected. Yes. That was a point I was making before you came on, just like uh, the the – Wall Street bailout was rejected the first round in September of 2008, and then two weeks later, it gets passed when people were looking the other way. Same thing happened right. here with, in the Senate. So it's still – the House is still uh, uh, available for uh, uh, persuasion by us they or by – They are. Okay. That's where we are. Okay. That's where we are, correct? Is there anything else about that? That's a, that's, nope, that's it. And so we expect the House to take this up for a vote uh, sometime in June. Uh, as, I, as I understand it, they don't have the votes right now. But you know that uh, Speaker Boehner and President Obama are pushing as hard as they possibly can to get uh, the votes swayed um, in their favor. Yes, exactly. Well, listen, Michael Gendron, I want to just thank you so much for coming on today. Um, even at the uh, eclipse of the end of your mock funeral, I think it's brilliant. There's nothing like a good street theater piece to drive home the message. And we just have to unglue all of our representatives from their uh, adhesion and allegiance to the uh, the money powers and just do the literally the right thing those are going to be the members of congress who are going to be reelected by us otherwise we're kissing our entire democracy goodbye so uh i agree. really appreciate the work you're doing all right thank you and i appreciate you uh taking the time to let me get on and uh, speak about this absolutely thanks so much all right you take care that was michael Sure. That was Michael Gendron of the uh, of the uh, Communication Workers of America and political coordinator doing very important work to help bring uh, public awareness to the subject. So you heard from Michael basically uh, reiterating many of the same points that I was making and a few others that I hadn't made as well as he did. And if you go back into the betterworld.tv radio archives at that website, again, you will do so. If you go to uh, Gary Null, prn.fm, if you go to democracynow.org, as just a few of the places, Food and Water Watch, uh, we've had Mitch Jones on as well talking about this a couple of years ago. This is not new, folks, but it's new to most people. Most people are just busy down their own rabbit hole. Me too. We all are. Everyone is. And I'm saying that we have to pop up, pop out with our hearts and minds, unified, intact, to be spiritual warriors, human ethical warriors, to stand up to this madness and not let it pass or a lot of other things pass. It's just true pathology. And we'll get to that. I put on my psychotherapy hat and I do other types of consulting work to help people through that level of stress. And my stress management consulting, believe me, there's the use of the life system and energy medicine and stress management uh, 
techniques, including Qigong and Tai Chi Chuan and meditation to help people come to a point of balance, a quiet place of center where they can think truly from their heart and use proper mentation to make decisions that are balanced in nature and not throwing off their true heart sense of values and proportion. Proportion is a classical form of beauty. That's what the Greeks brought to us par excellence. Let's use that wisdom inherited at this point through our DNA to appreciate wisdom and beauty and to want to create a future based on these values. And we can do it, folks. And we do it by not allowing foolishness to run our country. I don't care who the spokesperson is. We know in our hearts what's right, what's true, and what's best for the common good. And I'm encouraging all do it. For those of you who are in or near or are simply so interested in the Building the New World Conference, I'd strongly encourage you to attend in Radford, Virginia, Radford University, this coming uh, weekend. And for more information, just go to our website, betterworld.tv. Listen to the radio roundtable discussion just last week. It's right there under Blog Talk Radio. You can't miss it. It's really interesting. Great people. Laura George, Glenn Martin, Dr. Kurt Johnson, leaders, leading thinkers, cutting-edge thinkers, wonderful, heartfelt people who really care about the nature of our world and uh, building a sustainable society in a friendly way. You know, a lot of this stuff is so much fun. There's so many good organizations doing so many good things. Pachamama.org as one example. I had Bill Twist on and Tracy Apple, two of the co-founders of Pachamama Alliance, just back in February. Uh, I've had Lynn Twist on, who, uh, well, we were speaking about the soul of money then, but still, the material is rich and it's all integrated into the same kind of human values. It's not hard. It's really pretty simple calculus, you know. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to do the right thing and to stand up for the right values and to uh, take matters in hand, you know. I like to keep it simple and uh within our reach, all of our reach. And uh, there's a better world.tv, of course. We're always looking to uh, promote, promulgate the right thing and high intelligence, creativity in the name of supporting a better world. There is also the upcoming IONS conference in Chicago, July 22nd. And we'll have a roundtable soon with astronaut Edgar Mitchell. And we're working at uh, bringing on Barbara Marks Hubbard, maybe Marianne Williamson, um, uh, maybe president of IONS, Cassie Viten. We'll be just formulating that as of now, frankly. Uh, but that will be coming on June, uh, 
June 21st. And the Institute for Noetic Science is another brilliant organization doing so many wonderful things to expand consciousness and bring it to all domains of life so that we have access to our higher mind, our higher brain, and our hearts to develop those extra resources, inner resources that Richard Bandler of Neurolinguistic Programming and all of us have talked about for so long. It's exciting. It's a wonderful world out there and in here, folks. But when it comes to certain basics, like having our uh, freedoms, outer and inner, in place, it really requires our vigilance. Just as Thomas Jefferson said, the price of freedom, he said, is eternal vigilance. With that, I want to just thank you all for being on uh on with us today, listening in, sharing in your attention with us. There are so many places we know you can go with your brilliant attention and that you've landed upon us today is really uh, a beautiful, beautiful moment for us all to share together. Remember also we are recently a nonprofit 501c3, so any donation you may make to us through our website or for larger ones, please contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net directly, mjr, my initials, at abetterworld.net, or with your comments. We love hearing from you, and we really design our shows to be in accordance with your interests as well as those that we feel are so important to the collective good. On that note, make sure to get our newsletter. And I look forward to seeing you all next.